This is an oral history of the Lord's move in Plainview, Texas in the early 1960s. It's a story of what can happen when a small group of students love Christ and His church and give their lives to God's purpose in a practical way. The following is an introduction from Minoru Chen, originally spoken to the church in Irvine in 2011. Here he frames for us the history of the Lord's recovery in the United States and the impact this group of college students had on the world. I feel uh, to say a few words in a broader way concerning churches in Texas and also uh, all that in context of the Lord's uh, recovery uh, in this country. I'd like to say something because of involvement in the history of the Lord's recovery these days and the more I get into the history of the recovery, the more I became burdened that we are facing a risk, uh, a danger of a certain disconnect uh, of our past and our present, particularly in the way that many of our newer saints and younger saints do not have the kind of knowledge, the kind of connection, the kind of feeling uh, concerning what has gone before us, gone on before us. And as they say, if you do not know where you came from, you probably would not know where you go. Wow. And those who do not know, another saying, who do not know the history are doomed to repeat it. So, uh, of course, that means in a negative way. So I'm very, very earnestly burdened in these days that uh, the vast majority of the saints who have a shortage or a lack of knowledge, and that is not his language, but it's a fact, make up, as it were, as much as possible in that department. So I see the opportunity this morning uh, just to say a few words. The Lord's recovery began in 1921 and 1922, and when I say recovery, I mean this particular move among us in these days, as opposed to his recovery work in the history of the church that began 500 years ago at the time of the Reformation. Now, that recovery amongst us began, of course, in China. And for decades, from 1922, let us set a kind of a year, because that's the year when the first Lord's Table was taken uh, in Fuchao, the hometown of Brother Watchman Nee. And from that year on, until 1952, for 30 years, the Lord's recovery was under the leadership of Watchman Nee. By 1952, our brother was accused, persecuted, and sentenced to a 20-year imprisonment in China. And of course, with the new regime in China, the Lord's recovery was 
halted or stopped from going on for a, quite a long period of time. But in the Lord's sovereignty and in the wisdom that the Lord has given to our brother Ni, he and the co-workers at that time decided to send one amongst them outside of the country in the event that China would have that momentous political change that would not allow uh, the Lord's recovery to go on, that which came to pass, so that the Lord's recovery, with all that the Lord has given to it, would be preserved. That one man or one person that was sent out of China was Brother Witness Lee. So in 1949, he left with his family to the island of Taiwan with the uh, nationalist government. There, he continued the Lord's recovery under the most difficult and discouraging of the circumstances. 1950 in Hong Kong was the last time uh, anyone outside of China would have seen Watchman Nee. And that was the last time that Brother Lee saw him as well. It was of the Lord's arrangement that all this happened in the world situation. So from 1952 on, the leadership of the Lord's recovery fell on Witness Lee. And from that time for 10 years, period from 52, 62, he took the lead to carry on the ministry, especially the ministry of the word there in Taiwan and in the Philippines in a very, very prevailing way. There was a great revival in the early 50s. The number of the Lord's recovery grew exponentially from a few hundred in uh, uh, 1950 to, by 1955, almost 50,000 saints. In 1958, he took his first trip, Brother Witness Lee, around the world, which included uh, the United States. Uh, his main destination was not the United States, but rather Europe. Uh, but he passed through here and saw the U.S. for the first time. He had no intention to stay here. He had, and Watchman, he had always believed that the recovery work probably would fall on the shoulders of the Western saints themselves. Their job is to pass on the riches of the revelation of the divine things by the way of books, publications, and so on. But the actual work would not be in their hands, or so they thought. In 1960, he came through here again, uh, this time only to visit the U.S., and then he went back. And in 1961, he came here for the third time. And this time, in this last trip of his, he, after much struggle, became clear 
that it was the Lord, Lord's commission that he should stay in the United States and not return to the Far East to begin the Lord's work, to begin the ministry in the Western Hemisphere. And the place where he started was Los Angeles. Therefore, in December of 1962, he moved to Los Angeles and stationed himself there and began the work. Many of you might have heard of this book called The All-Inclusive Christ. Those messages were from the first conference ever in this country given in December of 1962. And then in 1963, through the popularization of Brother Nee's famous classic, The Normal Christian Life, and a few other books like that, there arose a seeking atmosphere among some of the believers in this country. <clears throat> and soon they heard that this man, Watchman Nee, had a co-worker who was now in the U.S. And they located him, and invitation <clears throat> to him to come <clears throat> to Brother Lee. And so in 1963, he began to travel uh, all across this land, <clears throat> from the west to the east, from the south to the north. He's been to more places than most of us have been, been to in the U.S. Now, as he was crisscrossing the country, one of the most notable places was Texas. In 63, he, on his way to New York, he passed through Texas, and on his way back, he passed through Texas again. And he held conferences there by invitation. Now, there was, at that time, uh, seekers in different places. And there was particularly this group of young people who were, at that time, college students, college students, in this school called Wayland Baptist University, Baptist University in this little town called Plainview, Texas, in the plains, of high plains of Texas. And there, a particular, uh, there was a bunch of them who knew each other, and they have all gotten hold of this book, Watchman's book, and just fell in love with that ministry they were seeking. They all belonged to the Baptist Student Union under the lead of this brother called James Barber, who has also gone to be with the Lord now, but had come to the recovery at the same time. Amongst this would be Brother Benson Phillips, as you all know, uh, her, his wife Barbara, the Gravers. Then there were others who you may not know, uh, a brother named Max Hale, a brother named Jim Coleman. Uh, there was this group of college-age young people seeking the Lord. And so uh, Brother Lee went to Tyler, Texas. That's where he gave some of those conferences. And some of these ones went there to listen to Brother Lee, <coughs> uh, particularly James Barber the first time. And he taped the meetings, brought back those meetings, and they would all get into a home and get around the table and listen to the recordings of Brother Lee. 
And based on that contact in 1963 and 64 time frame, they uh, became followers of this ministry. And so some of them would move to Los Angeles, including Brother James Barber, and others who have who stayed behind as students would group themselves together in a small way to begin the local church life. In plain view in the beginning, in a very, very nascent, in the very, very nascent stage, and then later on in places like Lubbock and also places like Waco until 1969 when they all migrated to Houston jointly and began the first large church life there in Texas. In the meantime, starting in 63, 64, uh, these saints, young people, every year, uh, at least once a year, would pile into their cars and drive all the way to Los Angeles. I heard sometimes without air conditioning in these old cars that they had uh, to be with Brother Lee in his long conferences and trainings in those days. Frequently, conferences are 10 days, trainings are three to four weeks, unlike our six days affairs nowadays. And they would have to quit their job because you just don't cannot take that much time off. Come here for the training, go back and get another one. This is how they live. Now, here's my point. <clears throat> Over the years, the Lord has particularly graced, I would say, the churches in Texas with a certain spirit that is seen in what I've just described. And that's from very, very early on. They come to, I would say, symbolize what is said in Timothy by Paul as that you have closely followed my teaching. They really exemplify the, this kind of close following of the ministry from the very, very beginning. And I stand here to testify to you all, and I'm not ashamed to tell you all that I follow them. I am a follower of this spirit, of these brothers in Texas. As far as this aspect of following the ministry closely, this kind of paying the price, not caring for what, jobs, whatever, to just come to sit at the feet of the ministry, to hear the word, this kind of spirit, brothers and sisters, is precious. You know, these days we have to call you, we have to tell you, sign up for the winter training, sign up for the summer training. I tell you, in those days, you don't need to tell anybody. People beg, people will bang down the wall, people will get into cars, people will drive through a desert without air conditioning to be there for weeks on end, laying on the ground, on the floor in this. The sardines, you know, you know, that's all the room that there was <clears throat> in these houses, starting in the Altadena house and then in the house in Bonnie Bray and then um, in, in uh, uh, 
uh, eventually in Eldon Hall, so on and so forth. It was not easy, but they pay the price, and the Lord blessed them. Not only there is this kind of following absoluteness in following the ministry. Number two, I would like to say a strong, um, precious uh, thing that the, the, the churches in Texas are graced with through this, the, this vanguard, this first group of believers, is that they practice the ministry. They do their best to carry out whatever they hear. They don't just write it down and just celebrate. They go and practice it in whatever way they knew how. Even though they were small, they were weak, they did the ministry. They were doers of that word. That means a lot. The third thing I must say, tell you that the churches in Texas are graced with is in their serving the ministry in a practical way. They just have this burden, <clears throat> especially starting in the 70s when we built this meeting hall in Ballroom, which is the training center today, which the saints built with their own bare hands. And that was under the leadership of these Texas brothers. In particular, in particular, now the Lord covers me. I say this not to um, um, glorify any man, neither am I glorifying a group of churches. I'm not doing that. But I must testify to you all in the way of historical importance with that particular burden that you all should know some of these things. Now, these are the ones, these are the typical Americans, these are the typical Texans who came into the Lord's recovery, I believe, of God's sovereignty. When they came in, they were 20. Today, they're all 70 or thereabouts, these ones. And I feel that in a very proper sense, the Lord's recovery owed them very much. It has been decades. Now, um, I hope would also have patterns, would look for patterns to follow, would look for examples amongst us. And these ones who are here from the very beginning surely are the ones worthy of such imitation, <coughs> worthy of such following. You see, to carry on the Lord's recovery is not just to pass on some teaching, not just to pass on some practices. No. We have to pass on the recovery in a wholesome way. And what I call the reality or the integrity of the Lord's recovery. And that is not just some words. That is not just some way of doing things. That is a reality that is often conveyed by a living, by living patterns, by living examples. You see that and you say, that is the Lord's recovery. You see that and you say, that is the spirit of the Lord's recovery. You see that and say, now I know what the recovery is about. And these ones who have been with us now for half a century, I think we are the better with them. 
And now today we are a bit poorer without some of them. Next time on Plainview. But the Lord had something in mind. Yeah, we didn't know. Lord. We didn't know anything. But when you see, when Brother Lee came. He took, in 1962, and they began to pray. For some reason, the Lord chose that little spot to start doing something at that time, outside of what He was doing in California.